are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 395 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Ham Shack and we are doing our short topics episode for tonight. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and introduce the crew. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. So we're all here again. Cheryl has uh, come back from her mission of deliciousness. And, uh, you know, you all heard about that in the last episode. So hopefully everybody maybe even tried that out. And uh, with that, we should probably get moving. But again, short topics episode for tonight. But we have a special guest with us tonight. And that's going to be our lead topic for the evening because we have the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo coming up. And that's going to be in March. And here to talk about it is Eric Guth, ForzDead1UG, creator of the event and newly minted patron. And he's going to give us all the feedback on it. So uh, let's go ahead and bring him in here and learn about the expo. We did it last uh, last summer in August, uh, was the very first one. And that was a online virtual convention. And what I wanted to do at the time that we were planning it is I wanted to create something that actually looked like a convention. So it had an outside parking lot, uh, virtual. It had a, a big lobby. It had an exhibit floor with uh, booths and uh, and vendors. And it had a great auditorium full of ham radio uh, presentations. And so we're doing it again in March, the first week or the second week of March, second weekend, so March uh, beginning March 12th through March 14th. So it's, it runs 48 hours on Pacific time. And uh, we're doing the same thing, except what we're doing differently this time is is, is that last time, uh, last August, when I'm sitting there looking at the dashboard of the convention, so I have this dashboard that tells me how many people are on the convention floor and where they're going. Um, I We had 14,000 people on the platform that weekend. Um, thousands of people going to exhibit booths, thousands of people going to sessions. But the problem is for me is I didn't feel them there. I saw the the numbers on the dashboard, but I didn't feel them. So after the last expo was over, I started looking for platforms that would allow people to, to not only see or feel the number of people that are on the platform for the weekend, but also to be able to interact with them uh, either randomly or in small groups like you would at a regular convention. So we're using, a, in addition to the platform that we used last time, which gave us that look and feel and eye candy of being at a convention uh, with a parking lot and the lobby and the and the exhibit booths, we're using a, a platform called AirMeet. And uh, AirMeet allows us to have a, a huge lobby or lounge outside of the auditorium with 200 tables. And those tables, if you go and you take a chair, then you're in a video conference with the people sitting around the table. And uh, we can put, you know, subjects on the table, like DX or software-defined radio or something like that, if people want to go there. And um, or, or they can just find their friends in the directory, send them a message and say, hey, go to table 57 and we'll talk. Or they can just sit randomly at a table and they can talk to whoever's there. So the idea was to cr- kind of create this 
you know, hallway conversation with people that show up. And uh, on the AirMeet platform, you actually see all of the icons of all the people, and those icons could be their face pictures too. So you'll see actually all of these people on the on the platform, and you'll be able to message them or find them and then talk to them. And then every every booth also has a lounge with six tables in it so that you can actually go into the booth lounge and talk to the people who are at the booth. So Flex Radio is, is our platinum sponsor, and uh, you can go into Flex Radio's lounge and you can sit and talk with Gerald or Steve or or uh, Michael or one of the one of the people there. So it's really kind of cool. So that's what we're doing differently. And uh, the way I look at it is, is every time we do this, we try to iterate one more time to make it better. I did check out that AirMead thing, and it looked pretty cool. Of course, it was at a time of day when no one was in there, and it's in a sort of demo stage right now. So I didn't get to experience the video conferencing, but that looks like a nice addition for sure. And I also like the fact that you can have interaction inside the booth because there really wasn't a lot of interaction the last time. I mean, we had interaction through the text chat, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, well, it wasn't obvious in the last one that, that all those booths actually had video chat. Um, but that video chat had to be initiated from the booth side. So what we're doing instead is, is, is that we've, we put all of the, you know, when you go into a booth, you're actually in the AirMeet booth. So there's actually like two sets of booths. But um, we're working very hard to kind of link them all together. We're building a universal passport, so every uh, every visitor, every attendee will get a unique URL, and that will actually identify them on all of the platforms, so they can move around without having to re-enter information. So we're we're hoping to kind of pull that whole thing together between the two platforms, so that people can actually you know, look at the Flex Radio booth and then go into Flex's lounge and actually, you know, talk to the people there or any of the other, uh, the Linux and the Hamshack booth, the same thing. You guys will have six tables and you can um, sit at the tables and you can, you know, hold court with your um, with your fans. Well, let's hope there are some. <laughs> I think there's at least one. So, well, okay, cool. We can, we can hold court. I'll be with... there. <laughs> it, I don't know. You seems like you might be a little busy while this whole thing is going on. <laughs> well, I was busy last time um, dealing with all of the issues of the game that we put on the platform. Um, I was very naive when I, I put this this uh, game on the last expo, and uh, that game cost me the entire expo and the entire month of August to resolve all the, the issues around the prize game. Uh, this time, uh, there's no game on the platform itself. Each of the exhibitors are responsible for the prizes in their in their booths and the prizes that they give away. Well, that's that's good. That's a so little more bit time. Of, yeah, exactly. You've uh, decided to uh, delegate some of that responsibility to free up some of your own time, which is always smart. One one of the other things that's different about the expo this year is not going to be free, right? There's a uh, and a reason for that. Uh, well, that's a good question. We're charging $10 for, per ticket this time. Uh, one of the reasons is, is, is that we had 27,000 people sign up for the last expo, and uh, only 16,000 came uh, during the weekend and the 30-day on-demand period. So what we wanted to do is we kind of wanted to narrow that gap. We, we kind of did a survey. We actually surveyed... Um, that entire group of people that registered and also the people that came. So we got about 6,000 surveys back uh, in September. Uh, 
Um, and one of those questions was to actually to understand what the value was to people coming. So um, by charging $10, we hope to narrow that gap between registrations and people that come. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is, is the platforms that we're using are very expensive. We've made over a, we've made a over $100,000 commitment uh, for these two platforms that we're using for the next year. So uh, unfortunately, we have to pay for them. And in order to bring a, a, an expo of this size, even virtually, costs as much as actually renting a convention center uh, for a weekend. So this is uh, this is the reason. And that makes perfect sense. It, it's always seemed to me that if you put a nominal ticket fee, a nominal entry fee to something, you encourage that person to actually participate rather than say, oh, it's a free ticket, and then they just go do something else for that day. Well, it's not. Look, the, the way that... The, the way that we're looking at it is, is is that that charge is about, I think if you've got a star, Starbucks Venti whatever and a scone, you'd probably play, pay close to $10 for that. Um, I think that it helps people make a choice. You know, for $10, maybe they'll put it on their calendar and they'll come. I actually had somebody ask me about, you know, why not make kids free? But nowadays, I think kids nowadays, um, they have $10, and maybe the lesson for kids is, is they, they need to kind of be discerning as to, you know, if the, if the expo is important, maybe that $10, you know, should go to the expo, or that $10 should go to something else. But it's a decision that they have to make. Well, I personally think that's acceptable and reasonable, and they shouldn't be buying Starbucks and scones anyway. <laughs> uh, pro- probably get a lot more out of the expo, I would think. So, uh, do you want to tell us, like, how many, how many booths do you think there are going to be this time? Is it, has it expanded since the last one? Well, I, I think we're, we're going to be about at the same level, number of booths. Um, the, 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 the attendees will have to decide in terms of the number of, uh, of, you know, who's there and who's not there. Uh, one of the things that we've heard from a lot of people that we, a lot of companies that we've called, is, is, is that they don't think they need to come because uh, they've had a, an amazing year selling ham radio gear to hams that are, you know, locked up at home uh, due to the pandemic. So, you know, while we might say that, you know, this is really about relationship building, you know, we'll see. We'll see who wants to build relationships and who wants to, um, you know, continue with the way things are. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Flex Radio is amazing. Elacraft is amazing. R Finder is amazing. Uh, they're all coming back. Uh, we've, we have some, uh, that were, uh, smaller, um, company, you know, in smaller booths last time who've taken, um, uh, sponsorships. So, uh, it, we'll see. Well, as I say, we're iterating from, from expo to expo. And uh, we also think that, you know, as the pandemic comes under control, then we'll also see, uh, you know, how that shakes out. We believe that, that virtual events are here forever. Uh, we know from our last, uh, from our surveys that 60% of the people that, um, came to our expo last time are people who never go to, um, to large, uh, shows around, you know, like, like Dayton or Amcation. Uh, we know that 40% of the people that we surveyed never go to even local ham fests. So there is a market for virtual, and I think that now that we've kind of been under virtual now for the last year in, in all kinds of ways, that um, I'm attending a lot more events now uh, online, and even paying $200, $300 for a ticket, 
because uh, it's a lot cheaper than actually getting on an airplane and going to that event. And uh, and I like the opportunity to get new information and also to network with people I haven't you know met before. It's also considerably more convenient to do all of this from your own home than to have to go to wherever the thing is. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things I do more now uh, over, and I think it's because you know working from home, is is that I'm using um, I'm using tools like Zoom or um, Jitsi or you know, open source tools. I prefer. Um, I'm using those more for meetings now than I use the phone. So. And I and I prefer to have the video conference because I can you know I can see the person I'm talking to. If I drive to Tel Aviv for a, for a meeting, um, that's a whole day out. You know, going down there, coming back, and uh, and trying to find parking, all that stuff. So I, I'm finding a lot more efficient using um, using the video conferencing technology. So I think that it's going to be here. You know, even after. Uh, afterward that we're over with with a pandemic i also think that you know people the, the pandemic has caused people to start thinking a little bit differently in terms of their the value of their time if you spend you know two hours in each direction driving to work five days a week you know maybe after being home maybe not but maybe after being home with your family for um for a year that you're kind of thinking maybe you don't want to spend as much time in the car yeah, fair enough. So let's talk a little bit about the auditorium aspect of this. You're going to have, I assume, some pre-recorded sessions like you did last time, but there's supposed to be a facility for doing like live demos and live interactive things this time. Right. So one of the things I was looking for, uh, you know, so one of the problems we had with the workflow last time was is that we we uh, we did all of our sessions semi-live, semi-live means that we asked our pres- presenters to record their sessions in advance. Uh, and there was a couple of reasons for that. The, the biggest reason for that is is, is that uh, we don't know when a, when a presenter makes his presentation whether he's on a good internet connection, whether all his teenagers that are home that afternoon have decided to watch movies or YouTubes at the same time he's trying to upload a presentation or do a live presentation. So what we've done is we've asked all of our presenters to to record their, their presentations. Uh, we kind of gave them some ideas in terms of um, how they should speak, uh, how long they should speak. And then I spent the, the September when I was, when I found Airmeet, I was looking for a platform where I could uh, run those semi-live presentations and then immediately bring the, the presenter on live to do Q&A without moving people to say to another Zoom room or something like this. So this Airmeet platform that we're using, the, the platform is called Airmeet Summit. It's their largest platform. And what it has is it has 10 theaters. So we can run up to 10 simultaneous presentations every hour. And at the same time, um, those uh, presenters can go on live and do Q&A without moving the audience. The other thing we learned was uh, last time was is that people would come into the uh, into the presentation um, even if they came in a minute or two too late, they, they missed the first minute or so of the presentation. So it's kind of like people going to the movies. You know, you see people, they come into a movie, they got their popcorn, they're sitting down, but it takes them a couple of minutes to kind of get it together before they're actually paying attention. So what we've done is, is we actually will have a, a slide with a countdown, three minute countdown, uh, before the presentation. So people know, one, they're in the right place, and two, um, they have, a minute or two to kind of get oriented before the presentation starts so we won't get emails from people saying, hey, I missed the first, you know, three minutes of the presentation. So we're doing that differently. We have 71 presenters at this point. Uh, we've got um, 
We've got some great tracks. Flex Radio has a bunch of their uh, tracks, uh, which will be very interesting. Uh, there's a whole track, uh, maybe there's nine presentation on satellite radio. So, uh, AMSAT satellites, uh, ways to operate on satellites, things like this. There's every, we have every, um, subject in ham radio we think going, uh, during the, the expo weekend. And we have three, three or four, I think four total build-a-thons where we're actually um, building kits on, online in real time. So, uh, we're, and we're trying that to see whether that, you know, whether the virtual platform works for that as well. All right. This all sounds really good to me. I'm looking forward to the second one. I, I enjoyed the first one more than I thought I would, and this one sounds like it's going to be even better because of the new things that have been added and the new methods of interaction. Bill, have so I we'll missed see. something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, actually you guys touched on all the points that I was going to make. One was the game that I think was a bit of a distraction, not just for, uh, you, Eric, but like, you know, as a, as a person in a booth, having these people just kind of jump in the chat room, say hi and bump out and stuff like that. It wasn't very, you know, conducive <laughs> to communicating and stuff like that. So I'm glad to see that some of those, uh, participation metrics are, are just being tracked and not necessarily incentivized. Um, for, uh, for that particular purpose. Um, as well, uh, I like the idea of the video chat rooms and, um, I had the same kind of question on the, uh, on the tracks, whether they were going to be more, uh, interactive instead of, you know, being thrown out to the Q and A session or having the user required to go to the Q and A session after the presentation. So that's all sounds really, really good. And I hope people get in on this and get signed up and, uh, participate. Well, I think, you know, that, the, the conundrum that everyone has when they go to a, a large show is, is that you've got a lot of presentations that are concurrent, and they all look great. So one of the advantages of what we're doing is, is, is that you can, you can follow. So you could follow the satellite track all the way through, but you've got, you know, the month to go and look at the other presentations that you want. And those, after that month, those presentations will find themselves at some point on the, <laughs> excuse me, the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo YouTube channel. So there's always a chance to see all of the presentations that you want. And, um, and one of the things that we wanted to, to convince our pre- presenters to do was is not try to give the entire formula, you know, in a, in a single sitting. But to um, to create uh, uh, interest enough to push the button on the on the platform to download the content or to take the next step or to you know how do I learn more about this thing? So that's that's really I think what we want to do is kind of inspire uh, the the number of people that are coming. Many again who who, who don't go to regular conventions and we have a we have a large number. I think twenty percent of our people that came last time were new hams. So it's an opportunity for even new hams and even returning hams or older hams to say, you know, there's something different happening in this um, three-ring circus of ham radio. And uh, and it's an opportunity for them to, you know, pursue it. And, and I think that's kind of what we're trying to inspire with the presentations. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I've been reluctantly thinking about this just because, you know, as somebody who's online all day long, every day, uh, the last thing I want to do is be online all weekend long, all day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it sounded like it's really coming together and, uh, I'm looking forward to a professional event. So this is, this is really great. We, uh, we, you know, we learned something like 
it, it was very funny because I'm sitting there on Sunday uh, about noon Pacific time watching the um, the dashboard, and all of a sudden I'm seeing you know people logging out, and I'm thinking, well, that that's really strange. That looks a lot like a like a real you know like a like the like Dayton for example when you're when you go back to the fairground on Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, you kind of the energy is starting to drain right from the from the fairground because people are leaving. They're pulling they're pulling their roller rollerboard bags. You know, they're headed to the airport. <laughs> well, that's yeah. kind of what it looked like on the platform. As you know, as it gets close to noon, you know, I was seeing the numbers starting to wind down. So we've kind of planned the expo this time to do the same thing. We're doing the expo on Pacific time, so it actually starts on Friday evening. Uh, Pacific time at six six p.m. and the the two uh, the two auditoriums at at the, at the at least at this point there probably be more but we have the Ham Radio Workbench podcast and we have the Ham Two Point uh, podcasters or you know video guys um, oh, they'll actually be doing live shows uh, from from two of the auditoriums so there's there's activities that that are happening and then Saturday morning at eight o'clock Pacific time is when the um, presentations begin. And I think there's probably, I think, six simultaneous presentations starting at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Now, right now, we're working on the web page so that we um, can give you, a, if you're not in the Pacific time zone, um, you, you'll have it in GMT. There's also an iCal or will be an iCal button so that you can, if there are things that you want to wa- watch and make sure they're on your calendar, you can you can push the button and it will go to your Google Calendar, for example, and make it as an appointment. So we're trying to make it as, as user-friendly as possible, uh, even and especially if you're not in the Pacific time zone. Well, I'm really close to that, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're close, close to the enough. Pacific time zone. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I'm 10 hours ahead of the Pacific time zone, so... Uh, so uh, the the uh, the middle of the afternoon Pacific time will be my bedtime, but I'll be up. <laughs> You're gonna switch your life schedule around to meet this uh, event. <laughs> It'll take me a week to recover. <laughs> Much like flying here and flying back. <laughs> That's right, right. I'll have jet lag from the virtual po- uh, hamvention. Right. Yeah. So can you talk about like prizes and stuff? That's what lots of people are interested in. Well, you know what? Um, at this point, um, I, I sent out a message. Uh, Probably just yesterday, asking the exhibitors to you know to let us know what prizes they will have in their contest. So each exhibitor does their own contest. But I would imagine um, that the sponsors will have some pretty cool stuff, uh, like they did last time. And uh, and I don't want to I don't want to commit them because I don't know what that stuff is yet. But uh, they that uh, people should look at our QSO today hamexpo.com website and look at the prize. Uh, prize menu item when it goes up to see what prizes are going to be in the booth there. So give us the website and everything where people can go and get tickets to be a part of this and if uh, there are like prize tickets where to get those and if there's any other place that people need to find information, you should probably get that out there now too. Sure, there's only one place. That's qsotodayhamexpo.com qsotodayhamexpo.com If you go there... That's uh, that's our official website. Uh, it has the ticket link on it. It has the home page. It has the speakers listed. Uh, the speaker times are right now are still kind of I'm still juggling speaker times. Uh, it, it should be settled within the next week or two. But you'll see who the speakers are and what they're what they're talking about. And 
and that's the place. The, that's the, uh, the the official Ham Expo website. Now, one thing I might say is that when you buy a ticket, at least the shopping cart that I am using will say that um, that the transaction is in progress. What's in progress is 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 that um, while we have while you have your receipt. Uh, you don't have your ticket yet, and what will happen is just before the expo, you'll get your ticket by email, and that ticket will be that um, that unique URL for each attendee. So that and that that will, that URL will identify that person on the platform. All right, very good. Okay. And the the dates again? Uh... So it starts uh, it starts officially. The platform opens at six p.m. Pacific time, March twelfth. That's Friday afternoon or Friday evening at 6 p.m. and it runs to 6 p.m. Sunday, March 14th. And uh, we're encouraging all of the people that are uh, that are either presenting or um, have uh, exhibition booths at the expo to also use that uh, the time in between. So we're hoping that there'll be some some um, programming that we're working on now in the evening hours, say Saturday night Pacific time, and uh, and maybe even um, Sunday afternoon. All right, very good. So anything else we need to touch on? Did we get it all? I think so. All right, sounds good. Well, we didn't talk I, about we didn't talk about Linux though. <laughs> well, no, but that's what the expo is for. There'll be lots of that. Yes, there there, there needs to be more of it. Um, so. So I'm a I'm a Kubuntu KDE Plasma Linux user. That's it's that's I'm I'm sitting here looking at three screens of uh, of Kubuntu Linux. So that's uh, so not, at least you got the Linux it. part out of me. <laughs> you're not going to find a lot of sympathy here uh, with not not a lot of KDE users around here. But oh, is that right? Uh, oh, you guys are Manjaro Manjaro users or? Uh, no, no, I'm I you know I'm on Debian mainly, and Bill yeah, is. Not. Kind of you know, migrating on, over to Fedora, so yeah, Fedora. <laughs> okay, so I'll follow it on your podcast to, to see how that goes for you. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks, uh, Eric, for being here and telling us all about the upcoming expo. I think I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope everybody else is as well. And uh, maybe we'll catch up with you afterwards for a little bit of a wrap up and see how it all went this time around. Oh, and uh, I don't think you mentioned it just now, but. Everything will be available for ticket holders for 30 days after the event. They missed That's something. That's right. Or, yeah. That's right. Uh, all of the presentations will be available. The the exhibit booths, while they'll there may not be anybody there, um, but the 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 content on the exhibit booths will be there for 30 days. All right. Sounds good. Well, okay. thanks again for being here, and uh, looking forward to a successful event coming up on the 12th through the 14th of March. Thank you very much. 73. 73. All right. Take care. Pick up your tickets now. You've got all the information. Be a part of it. We'll be there, and we'll see you. So moving on from there, we're going to jump into topics for amateur radio. Bill's going to lead us through the one amateur radio topic we have for the evening. Yeah, and this is a pretty uh, pretty good news, big one, I guess. Uh, this is from the ARRL board. It considers to plan to cover new $35 FCC fee for some young members. At its annual board meeting in January, the AWR Board of Directors considered a motion to offer a new plan that would pay the new but not yet implemented $35 FCC application fee for a limited number of new amateur radios, uh, amateurs younger than the age of 18, who at the time of testing. 
belong to an ARRL affiliated 501c3 charitable organization and pass their test through an ARRL VEC sponsored exam session. The proposal called for reducing the VEC fee for these candidates to $5. The initial proposal came from the ARRL Southeastern Direct- Division Director Mickey Baker and 4MB. Uh, other board members offered subsidiary motions. Supporters said the purpose behind the motion was to ameliorate the potential financial hardship the pending FCC application fee posed on certain minors applying for their first license and to encourage new youth membership. Uh, consideration of the motion, which was subject to considerable discussion, was deferred to an ad hoc committee composed of the members of the Administration and Finance Committee, two members of the Programs and Services Committee, and the ARRL CEO, David Minster, NA2AA, or his designated representative. The board directed uh, the panel to review and more fully develop the proposal and report back to the board by the end of March with a recommendation as to whether the program should be adopted and, if adopted, how it should be implemented. And this, of course, came straight from the horse's mouth at the ARRL. Um, so you should definitely write into your division directors uh, with your growing support for this <laughs> so so this becomes something that is is possible especially for uh, for those younger members to uh, of course grow the hobby in the the youth amateur radio world yeah it's definitely nice to give a little subsidy to the people just getting into the hobby and that should make it more attractive by getting rid of that fee for some folks all right well that was it for amateur radio although that did go for a bit so let's jump into some open source the first thing we have here is flame shot and it's a screenshot software and bill only put a yeah. stub in here so <laughs> he put a stub in here yeah yeah uh, so. we have talked about some screenshot programs before i think we did ksnip uh, the last time we talked about it and this is just yet another uh, uh simple to use screenshot uh, software tool uh, has customizable appearance appearance it's easy to use in-app screenshot edition uh has a debus interface and has an upload built into imager so uh, this is kind of a cool little project it's gplv3 it's got a nice little interface um, you can do all kinds of annotations on top of the screenshots which is always a powerful tool when you're trying to explain somebody some maybe some steps or something like that um you know has the ability to drop in arrows has the ability to you know so you know draw on it put text on it everything else much like uh you know the the capabilities of ksnip and stuff like that so if you're looking for a more powerful screenshotting tool um flameshot is uh, is definitely a cool one to take a look at and i i thought i included here i was just looking for random stuff over the week and threw that in here and um i thought it'd be a an interesting one since a lot of people tried out ksnip the last time so uh so give this one a try it's flameshot you can find it on uh, github and of course it's linked in the show notes all right very good this is something i actually could have used today if i had known about it and because uh, i because <laughs> i needed to annotate a screenshot but that's okay i may do with what i had so moving on, we've got what's new with OwnCloud in 2021. Is it is it still OwnCloud? I thought it was like NextCloud, or is that a fork, or what's the deal I think it's that? a fork, yeah. So the newest version of OwnCloud, OwnCloud Infinite Scale, or OCIS, is a complete rewrite of the venerable open-source enterprise file-sharing and sync software stack. It features a new back-end written in Go, a front-end in Vue.javascript, yay, and many changes including eliminating the need for a database well it's got to have a database of some kind maybe like a mongodb or or something maybe not a traditional you know 
uh, query language DB or something, but yeah, I think there's going to be a data store. Yeah, I didn't look at it completely, but I think they're using object storage. Yeah, that's what I thought. Some something along those lines. All right, that's cool. Uh, this scalable modular approach replaces own cloud's PHP database and POSIX system and promises up to 10 times better performance. Ooh. So cool. I use own cloud and I'm sure if I try and upgrade my current version to this one, it'll break horribly, but I'll give it a shot. Load on impact. <laughs> yeah. Luckily it's running in a VM so I can, uh, I can roll back if it blows up. Always a good thing. All right. So Cheryl, you want to tackle one of these? Sure. Isn't this okay? Well, this well, is the last. There's only one, one left so. in this. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> because we're going to force Bill to read the last one, of course. <laughs> of course. So, okay. So our next one is AMD users should immediately switch to the latest Linux 5.11 kernel. The latest release of the Linux kernel features some impressive performance and performance enhancements. Excuse me, for AMD hardware. Released over the Valentine's Day weekend, Linux kernel 5.11 fixed a major performance regression that impacted the AMD Zen architecture. Thanks to the fix, Zen-based processors such as Ryzen and Epic have been benchmarked as being faster out of the box than on previous kernels. Also, de- excuse me, also debuting in the release is support for AMD Van Gogh and Dimgray Cavefish GPUs. The semiconductor company has recently put out a number of Linux-related job postings, and the improvements to AMD hardware in the latest release is further evidence that the chip giant is actively working to improve support for its hardware on Linux. Well, that's good because Intel's running roughshod over AMD, and they have been for a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Some nice improvements in performance for AMD will probably give them a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, I've heard some very good, very good things about it, uh, especially even on the box that I, I have right now, the, the Zephyrus, uh, G14. And, uh, they say yeah, the performance improvement from a year ago is, uh, when it was first released was amazing, is amazing now. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm kind of jonesing to put some Linux on my, uh, my gaming laptop. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. And actually, now that I think about it, since I have this M1 Mac mini here now, I should install Steam on it and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah probably it does pretty well <laughs> Pro- probably should run pretty good yeah uh or maybe the other one what's the other one where you were getting all the free games recently oh epic, epic. yeah the epic yeah, yeah. yeah maybe try that one too then we'll you can play fortnite Woohoo! <laughs> i have an xbox for that <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving on we come down to linux in the ham shack which is our keepsake and our namesake segment for the show and we're going to talk a little bit about a project we have talked about a lot, which is yeah. Dude Star, because because Bill's yeah. now all into the the digital radio universe now because he doesn't need a radio. Hell yeah! So tell us what's new in Dude Star. Yeah, so uh, just uh, just wanted to kind of spin off of what we talked about in the deep dive, uh, Dude Star updates, um, and reminding that you need to keep your build updated. And uh, he says it's very important, especially because like they're making some very important fixes to the performance and everything else. And this is just some of the items that were worked on just in the past two weeks. There was a release today, tagged release today, uh, at about lunchtime here. So, uh, yeah, he's got a better solution for Mac OS, iOS, QT audio input bug. Uh, we got uh, check for IPv6 on M17. We got uh, XRF to REF option to D-Star settings for use with uh, D-Extra reflectors. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds cool. <laughs> new settings and file format and add the IPv6 support. So that's all in there now. Uh, add the new state for IAX. He uh, fixed the lat long string for 
format and add notification for the DMR server closing. Um, added an OS specific build string for about message again. Uh, let's see what else. A uh, new version for QMake for Windows check. We got, um, let's see, a bunch of little IAX fixes for start voice TX after receive first voice frame from Node. This is all complex names. These are like the, uh, the commit tags. So. <laughs> they weren't very descriptive, but hopefully you can figure this out. Uh, remove three milliseconds add to uh, timestamps and respond to VNAX. Uh, separate registration and call to call nums IDs and send ACK for opt. So, uh, yeah, quite a few improvements and everything else. So, uh, definitely if you're starting to play with it, just go ahead and grab the latest build um, and and just keep building. If you're, uh, if you're running your own compiled version, uh, best way to do that is is basically just get clone his repository and just keep updating it every time, uh, every time he does an update and just recompile and, uh, you'll get those latest updates inside of your build. And he does publish the, uh, 32 bit and 64 bit windows EXEs every time. So you can have those as a, uh, if you're using a windows box to use the dude star. So you just keep replacing that EXE and, uh, use the latest greatest version. So we also uh, linked to the uh, latest tag inside of the show notes from the GitHub site. Um, and uh, I didn't put it in here, but I did want to bug you about what were you doing with WinLink today? Was that on Linux? It was on Linux. I was using RDOP and PAT to connect to the WinLink network via HFRF mm-hmm. and was actually able to send some email using those two things. I tried it originally using Direwolf and AX25, and I was having some issues with that. So for the soft modem, I went over to RDOP, and that seemed to work a lot better. Had a little trouble getting the build working, or the like the downloaded version wasn't working right, so I had to build it. But after building it, it worked just fine. Used both the CLI version of PAT and the GUI version of PAT, and it works great, uh, whether by Telnet or RF. So um, yeah, that's been my first experience with, with WinLink, so it was pretty cool. Well, great. As you play with it some more, maybe, uh, maybe we'll have a deep dive out of that. Yeah, I want to make sure I fully understand what's going on with the system because, I mean, WinLink is kind of an old technology, but I don't really understand it because I'm really new to it, even though it's old. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll talk about it some more once I understand it some more. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I thought we had and, to mention it because you were playing with it. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it's worth talking about. And I want to jump back to the Dude Star thing because... Since the last time we talked about Dude Star, and this time I actually set up an M17 reflector. So if you're using Dude Star, you can go to the M17 mode and you can select um, M17-659, and that is my reflector. So you know you can you can talk using Dude Star and M17, which is an actual audio protocol. So and uh, we'll probably be talking about a project called OpenRTX in the coming days and we will be having an interview with the M17 guys on the next deep dive so Ooh. be ready for that very excited yeah lots of new technologies lots of cool stuff on the horizon and we're here to tell you all about it so there you go <laughs> lots of stuff <laughs> what's that i just said lots of stuff oh yeah lots of stuff lots of stuff lots of interesting <laughs> stuff in the world of amateur radio and open source All right, well, with that, we've come down to the end of the show. But we still have our social media roundup, so we got to let Cheryl come in here and tell us all about the folks who help support the program and who join us on our social media networks. Yes, yes, we do. We have uh, several new people, looks like, today. Uh, For our Patreons, we have Eric Guth, which is a new person. 
uh, Brandon Rosick, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Rudder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Amd Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Isaac Geyer, your ear, so I'm not sure on the pronunciation of that one, Thomas Foy, Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hill, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Aaron Sherman join us, Dave Tipton, and Brian Brunel. On Twitter, we added at N. Dykstra, at Daniel W. 275-43217, at VE3FCQ, at Linux SWL, at Gen2Fag, and at VA3HDL. Nobody joined us on YouTube. There is nobody on the mailing list and no merchandise sales. Yes, as it happens, the mailing list is kaput right now. I'm working on recovering it, so <laughs> there, there won't be anybody joining the mailing list for at least a little bit. But yeah. I'm working on it, so... Because I forgot about it when I deleted the machine it was running on. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that happens occasionally. <laughs> it does happen occasionally, unfortunately. But with that, we have come down to the end of the program, so we should probably go ahead and wrap this one up. And before we do that, we'll mention the folks who are with us live in the chat room. And I had Don, KC9ZMY, Don, KB2YSI, and Tony, K4XSS. I don't know if anybody else popped in there while I wasn't looking, but those are the ones that I saw for sure. So with that, I guess we were gonna, we're gonna call this one a wrap and we're gonna get on out of here. So thanks for listening and look forward to the deep dive on M17 coming up next. So take care and have a good week. We'll talk to you next time around. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online LHS merchandise store 
at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.